Hey everybody, this is Hunter Williams. Today is going to be episode 111 of the NeuroEdge podcast. As always, thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. This is one of my favorite things to do to get to talk to you guys and interact and everything. And the name of today's episode is Know Thyself. That is a saying that has been said for thousands of years now throughout human history, but I want to break down why it is important for us as humans to actually know ourselves, to actually know what we enjoy, what we don't enjoy, and some practical exercises that we can use in order to get in better touch with ourselves. I was thinking about this and it's funny, we go through all these years of schooling, especially here in America, all these years of schooling and learning and jobs and all this, and how many things do we actually go through that actually help us understand ourselves better and also understand ourselves better in the context of how other people can see us? And I think it's very important that we understand not only ourselves, but understand how we can think differently than other people and then understand how that fits into the context of being around other people. And that's kind of transcending the next level of your own existence, being able to make sense of yourself and how you see yourself among other people. So. That being said, I will jump on into it in a second, but as always, don't forget to check out the Facebook group link in the description. And I'm thinking about migrating that to a WhatsApp group just because, uh, you know, Facebook, you know what I'm talking about. So if you want to check that out, let me know. And then if you also would be interested in trying a different platform for the group, we can try an experiment with that as well. So don't forget to check it out. And again, the idea of this whole project is create is to create one massive feedback loop of people that are interested and link up across time and space to improve themselves, improve the planet and make the community and world that we live in better. So that being said, let's jump on into it and get to know thyself. So this idea of know thyself, I kind of look at is how do we interpret ourselves in the world? So how do we see ourselves in the context of the world around us? And again, this sounds maybe more on the surface level when you first look at it, but I really want you to think about this is how do you see yourself in the world around you? A lot of times the perception that we have of ourself is really how we think other people see us. Now step back in a second and really think about that. The perception that you have of yourself is how you think other people see you. So a lot of times we get so caught up in the actions that we're taking everything, we don't remove ourselves from the current day-to-day -day situation of whatever we may be in and really ask ourselves, who am I, what am I doing here, and am I fulfilling my life's purpose? So how do you interpret yourself in the world? What do you see as your role in the world? Because a lot of times we get so caught up in life, we might not even realize that what we're doing is completely counter to what we actually want in the depths of our soul and the depths of our existence as a human. Also, I wanted to discuss this idea of consciousness and the understanding of our existence. So in my opinion, I think this whole notion of consciousness, and you'll hear a lot of philosophers and neuroscientists and everybody talk about this, it's really trendy to talk about this at this day and age. 
but that consciousness is one and we are all individual reflections of that consciousness. A good model that I have heard it compared to is that consciousness is a stream and each person is a whirlpool within that stream. So we are all experiencing the same stream. We're at just different points of attention within that stream. So if we understand consciousness to be based on that model, we can understand our existence as part of this larger context that we live in, but thereby we can actually understand our self as an existence as the point of attention in that stream. Now, that may be blowing your mind or you may have thought about that topic before. However, whether you have or haven't, it is hard work to actually go into our own head and remove the distractions of day-to-day life, the input that we have, and to actually go within your side yourself, within yourself, inside yourself, and meditate and actually think about what you want, what you want to create. And again, I am talking to myself as much as anybody else that's listening to this because this is something that I want to get better at and that I'm working on. So it's hard work. And this hard work requires repeated exercises daily. And I group these repeated exercises in a few different categories. I think there's physical exercise, there is a mental exercise, there's emotional exercise, and there is a spiritual, absolutely spiritual component and exercises that we have to go through in order to know thyself better. So what are some ways to get to know thyself? Well, the first one I want to talk about, and look, there are tons of these different personality diagnostic tests, and each have their own strong suit in a way and can be applied to their certain types. Now, for me, the first one that I did, or at least that I did consciously with this in mind, was the Myers-Briggs test. And basically, the Myers-Briggs test is an introspective self-report questionnaire indicating differing psychological preferences and how people perceive the world and make decisions. What this, this test attempts to assign things in four categories. So your first category is you have introversion or extroversion, and that would be the I or the E in your four letters. The next is sensing or intuition, which would be the second two letters. The next is thinking or feeling, which would be the third two letters. And the last is judging or perceiving. And one letter from each category is taken to produce a four-letter result. Now, for me, mine, my type is INTJ. So that would be introverted. Um, I believe, because the letters don't always correlate, I believe it would be introverted, uh, intuition, thinking, and judging. And the best way that I can describe it, you can go online and take these tests, and an INTJ when I read it for the first time, you always kind of think about yourself as, oh, this is how I think, and most people probably think the same way that I do. However, when I read it, I was like, oh, that actually describes me better than I've even thought about describing myself before. But what that allowed me to do is communicate with other people how I see the world, and so that they know how to interact with me better, and then I know how to interact with them better. So this is a really powerful tool. And again, like I said, I on this scale, am an INTJ. And when I read that, I was like, oh, there are other people out there like that that also feel this same way. 
So whether you're in an organization or you just want more self-knowledge, this is something that's really powerful and can understand what, not only what type of careers you can go into, but what you're going to be most fulfilled doing. So I think it's really powerful and something that everybody should do. Now there's a lot of other different ones, like I mentioned, I think the disc test is another one that I have taken before that also was very impactful. But I did this at a time in my life where I was just starting to blossom into trying to understand myself better. And this real, really helped me kind of bridge that gap, so to speak, and get it. So again, it's always, I think, a cool thing to be able to take these tests and learn more about yourself. And don't take it as something that is static. So these are going to change most likely over time. Maybe not if it's more of a broad type thing, but don't take it as, oh, if I fall into this bucket, I, therefore I can't do this one thing that I may have wanted to do. So now the next thing I wanted to talk about is the removal of information. So I, in part of getting to know yourself, and I know I talk about this a lot, part of knowing yourself is listening to your inner intuition that you have about your own consciousness and what you want out of your life. Now, if you are constantly being inundated with data, it is impossible to listen to your intuition. Particularly if you live in a first world society today, most of the information that you're gonna be receiving, whether that's through social media, the internet, whatever it is, has a spin on it where somebody is trying to sell you something. And it might not be direct, but think about that for a second. Everything that you see daily, all the information that you're gathering, at the end of that source, Somewhere along the line, somebody is trying to sell you something. And if not, you're being sold, meaning that you're the product to somebody else who's buying your attention at that point. And so because of this and the, the nature of our society, how the economy has progressed and everything, we're inundated with information 24-7. One of the key consequences, and I might even dig into this topic a lot more in future episodes, is the loss of our imaginations. And so when we constantly are getting drip fed movies, TV, media, social media, all these things, we lose the ability in our head to have an imagination. And I think that's going to be a key advantage. I'll go on the record as saying this right now, that one of the key advantages of being successful in the future is going to be able to have an imagination. Now, our ancestors, our grandparents, great-grandparents, and so on and so forth as you go further back, they had to use their imaginations vividly. A lot of times because they were reading things and they didn't have screens to tell them how something looked, what the colors were, all that stuff. And so they had to use their mind to create these pictures, which I think ripples out into other areas of your life where when you're using mind to create pictures in your head, you actually start to make connections and can see things where you create more effectively in life. And so the rise of this media obviously has given, bir given birth to a whole new generation of creators that create stuff, which is a good, but how many more people are just strictly consumers? They consume, they don't create anything. And I think part of the problem of getting to know yourself is not having the imagination and the creative mind to understand how things are going. So also what this information does is it creates a hive mind mentality. So part of knowing yourself is understanding that you're an individual, that you're unique, that you have special skills and talents that nobody else can replace. The powers that be don't want you to know that. They don't want you to know that you are a divine spiritual 
being that have powers that are unique to you and nobody else. And I'm not saying that in some sort of kumbaya thing, but it's true. Each of us is meant to be great. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. What are the chances of being born? I don't know. I'd have to look that up, but pretty slim. But what this information connection does is it starts to create this hive mind mentality, especially as things become more centralized online. And when you have a hive mind mentality, again, it's going to erode your imagination and your creativity and also your ability to express that creativity through the unique vehicle that is yourself. Part of knowing yourself is actually experiencing the creativity. So listening to the higher self come out based on what you have. And when you're constantly inundated with information, you can't do that. Also, what begins to happen is we see ourselves through the lens of social media. And again, this is something I could rant and do a whole another series of episodes on. But people nowadays, they actually behave in the real world because of how they want to be perceived on social media. So people travel to certain destinations. People do certain things in their life only for the sake of being able to put it on social media. And then the social media ends up running their life because now they're only doing stuff for social media rather than doing stuff for the sake of enjoying life, enjoying the company of other people, enjoying friends. They do it for social media, for the praise and the feedback that they'll receive from doing that thing because it went on social media. And I think this is something that has got to stop. Probably won't. But if we could at least remove and become cognizant of the fact that many of us are living our lives this way because we're doing things that will make us be perceived a certain way on social media. So I really think that's important to be conscious of. And again, might sound off topic from what I'm talking about, but in terms of getting to know yourself, if you're always doing things for social media, is that really you? Is that really what you want to be doing with your life? I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe that's what makes you happy. But I think if you removed yourself from that, if you said, hey, I'm not going to do social media for 30 days, I'm not going to look at it, I'm not going to post on it, anything, things would change, I think. Now, let's get into some practices. So one is meditation. Obviously, removal of information kind of goes hand in hand in this. Part of knowing yourself is being comfortable being alone. How many people can't just be comfortable being alone with their own thoughts? I've heard success defined before as being able to be comfortable with yourself when you're by yourself. When all the cameras are off, when everything, all the lights are off, every all, all of that's gone, and you're just alone in your room by yourself, are you comfortable with who you are? I'm not saying I'm 100% there, but can you say that for certain? When you're by yourself, with yourself, alone, are you comfortable with what you're doing? That's part of meditation right there. Most people, I think, don't want to get into meditation or do it and then quit or just don't really want to have a practice of doing it is because they're not comfortable being alone with themselves by themselves. It's too disturbing. They would rather be stimulated, albeit in a juvenile manner, than to be confronted with their own thoughts alone. Now, once you make it to this point, there's something called crossing the chasm that I invented just saying with this is that we cross the chasm from being able to be alone by ourselves to actually getting in touch with ourselves and actually listening to ourselves. And then when you make it there, you realize there's a whole nother reality on the inside in which you have 
the ability to tap into your intuition, the ability to tap into your higher self. And then you begin to process thought patterns. Those may be negative thought patterns. That's something that I've struggled with a lot is understanding, okay, now I cross the chasm to being alone by myself. Now, what are my thought patterns? What am I thinking? What are my limiting beliefs? What are the things that are holding me back? And being able to break those down, see them for what they are, and then know that that's not you. That's just a certain pattern of thought that has come about in your life because of you not addressing it and not understanding it and not knowing yourself. So that's my take on meditation. And again, there's lots of different flavors that you can get into and everything. But even if just removing yourself from information and being alone by yourself with your own thoughts. The next thing is self-talk. This is something that I've gotten really big on in the last couple of years. But how do you talk to yourself about yourself? And this could be out loud. It definitely is out loud. This could also be inside your head. And how many times do you hear people say things that they can't do something? I can't do this. I can't do that. If you just took those two words, I can't, out of your vocabulary and you replaced it with how can I, that all of a sudden shifts your brain to start to think in a new way about certain things. So how many times, and I've been guilty of this for much of my life, do we talk down to ourselves? We say we can't do certain things. Now, I don't know. Maybe that's true. Maybe you can't do certain things. But I know if you are framing everything in your life as what you can't do versus you can do versus asking how can things get done, your life's going to be drastically better when you ask how things can can get done as opposed to saying you can't do things. And most people, unfortunately, just live their whole life not realizing that and thinking their life is a bunch of I can'ts. Also, your body language. How do you carry yourself throughout the day? I think that's very important that you exercise because that's going to relate to your posture and everything. But your body language will determine a lot of the hormones that get released in your body that set the stage for how you're going to behave that day. And again, we get back to thought patterns. Do you have negative thought patterns? And there's a difference between self-degradation and humility. And a lot of times I would be degrading to myself. So I would say things bad about myself and it had no purpose. That served me none whatsoever. But there's a difference between that and actually being humble. So just because you're not self-degrading doesn't mean you have to be arrogant or cocky. You can be very humble and the most successful people in the world are humble, but they don't talk down about themselves. And I want people to see the difference in their self-talk about that. It's one thing to talk down about yourself, and it's another thing to be humble. Humble people realize that they are limited, but that they can always get better. The people that are self-degrading just talk bad about themselves and don't open themselves up for opportunity to get better in life. So. The next exercise is to journal. So what I like about journaling, and obviously I talk about this a lot, but just in terms of knowing thyself better, what I like about journaling is it takes the abstractions that are in your head and it gets them into the concrete, real 3D world. So it's like getting, it's like a data dump of getting everything out of your head. It's like defragging your hard drive of your brain. It also creates existence of thought entities. So I think thoughts are real. Obviously they're real. We have them each and every day. It's part of being conscious but they're very abstract and they're not in the third dimension. Journaling allows you to get those thoughts onto a piece of paper that exists in the real world. And when that is the case, you can actually manipulate it to whatever you want it to be. And what's really cool about journaling is it's one thing to do it for, maybe you do it a couple of times, 
maybe a week, maybe you build it up to a month. But if you can do this each and every day for months and years at a time, you all of a sudden have this log that you can go back and track over a time period and see where you were and how you progressed. And also I just label journaling as the emotional cognition of yourself. So this is like doing a complete self-evaluation every day. And it's really powerful because again, it puts it all in the line. It's a way to account for all these things that are happening in our brain that most people just take for granted and don't understand or are pushing you in one direction or the other. And it gets it out into the 3D realm to understand that you are in control of those things. And last, I said struggle, and this is going to be the physical component. I think physical exertion is very important in knowing yourself better. Now, how does that make sense? Mostly everybody, especially a lot of men, have the question, am I good enough? Part of knowing yourself is understanding what you can do and how far you can push the limits. Well, in today's world, I don't think we have enough of this struggle to push us to the limits. Now, I'm not saying you might be not, not be in a hard place, but physically, we don't have to go find food or grow our food like we did at many points throughout human history. And so we're not getting the same feedback loops that are built into our DNA and our systems and our body that tell us, okay, we struggled for this and then we got it. Therefore, we have a reward and we feel good about it. And because of this, we get preoccupied with higher order thinking when a lot of times it just needs to be, hey, you need to run really hard and be out of breath. And why I say this is because we get meaning through challenge. So not only do you get this individually, but we have meaning that is developed when we struggle with a tribe of people over something. And you, the whole context of doing physical exertion to know yourself better is to know that you are good enough, to know that you went up against something that was challenging, that you didn't want to do, but you pushed yourself outside of your comfort zone. And then you developed a new paradigm and a new maximum for which you could cross for which you could push yourself into something. And that's part of being human and part of fulfillment of being a human is actually seeing goals and then accomplishing those goals and knocking them off one at a time. And so that's why I put physical exertion slash struggle on here because it helps answer the question in ourself, am I good enough? And you get to know who you are better because you go through a challenge. And there are plenty of financial, economic, structural challenges that we can go through in the world today. I don't think we have enough physical ones, especially if you're not disciplined enough to go outside of yourself. So that's why I think it's really important. And in terms of knowing yourself, just the purpose and fulfillment that you'll get from it. Part of this is sex, self-actualization. So becoming self-actualized is actually what a lot of psychologists and psychiatrists will say is probably the biggest leap that people can make in terms of finding fulfillment within their life. Um, part of purpose is also finding the resources to live, having a sense of belonging with others and having a goal larger than ourselves. So at the end of the day, part of knowing yourself is to gain this sense of purpose and fulfillment. And that's going within inside of yourself, but then also understanding how you relate to the other people around you. And when you know yourself better, you're going to understand and relate to the people around you much better. And so I will close out with this. Your own self-realization is the greatest service you can render to the world. And that's a quote from Ramana Maharshi. And that's really powerful. Self-realization is the greatest service you can render to the world. And that's what I want to close this out by saying is that the better you know yourself, 
the more in service you will be to the world. And it sounds counterintuitive because knowing yourself, that just sounds selfish off of that. But it's actually one of the most beneficial things you can do to humanity is to know yourself better because you're going to be able to contribute and serve at a higher level the more you know yourself. I have found the more I have gotten to understand myself, the better able I am to serve others and the better my life goes. So that's what I will close with. I really appreciate you if you stuck around to the end. And if you have any thoughts, questions, feedback, let me know. I look forward to seeing your group and we will talk to you next time. Peace.